Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. Welcome on to the Water Women Podcast. I am so excited we finally got time to sit down and chat. Let's start out by you introducing yourself to our listeners. So let's hear your name, your pronouns, and a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, My name is Katie Osborne. I use the pronouns she and her. I am a fisheries biologist with about 10 years experience in the field, and I am the host and creator of the Fisherwomen podcast. So all very, very cool things. A A fellow ocean podcaster is always fun to talk to because I feel like you just have like this bond already that like you have to to do this right yeah absolutely so growing up when did you first like discover the ocean and fall in love with it was it kind of like a sure thing from a young age or did you find it later on in life I would say it's both so my friends and I say that everyone has their chosen habitat. So that could be the mountains or the desert or the coast. There's lots of great habitats out there to settle down and make your life in. And I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and just grew up always seeing the bay out before me in the morning. And Obviously, we went to the coast on weekends quite a bit, and being at the ocean, you, it's one of those things in nature that (laughs) makes you feel so small, Absolutely, and you're a part of this magnificent, incredible, awe-inspiring world, and So the ocean is just always what has given me that feeling. And I've always wanted to be near the ocean um, to have that. And I think it, it helps or it certainly influenced my view of the ocean growing up in an area where the ocean isn't this warm <laughs> waves lapping at the yep. sun-drenched shore <laughs> it's wild and it doesn't care about you and it's going to be what it is and you have to be smart and you have to be respectful and so absolutely I uh, totally that get be, that yeah yeah it, it really gives you a sense of like the ocean isn't a body of water. It's like not a sentient being, but it's a being of its own kind. Cause like you see, like, I feel like when you're in tropic, tropical areas and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is so relaxing. But then in like the more Northern areas, when you're just watching like these waves, absolutely like, waves going in multiple different directions and just like tearing things and it's insane. And you're like, this is so powerful. And you develop such a respect from the ocean. Like when I was growing up, I would always tell people I was never scared of the ocean, but I absolutely respected it because it can take you in a second. Like you can be gone in a second. I feel like growing up with that kind of ocean is absolutely just like a different experience. 
Yeah, yeah. So I always knew that I wanted to live near the ocean and make my life near the ocean. But I started in wildlife, actually. So it took me a while to get to fisheries, per se, (laughs) but I always knew I wanted to be near the ocean. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that you started out in wildlife. I love that it was kind of the progression. So like, when did you decide fisheries and what drew you to fisheries? Because where I'm from is a very like fishing is a huge culture around here. Like I feel like a lot of coastal towns have that. And I'm from an area where there's multiple like little fishing towns. So were you exposed to that? Like what brought you to the fishing industry, the fishery industry, sorry. Uh, Right. So, I mean, like I said, I grew up in the Bay area, so it's very metropolitan. Um, It's not, (laughs) there is a lot of fishing that happens out of San Francisco. There is a lot of commercial and recreational fishing that happens in the Bay, obviously, but that was never really part of my life growing up. Um, And I kind of grew up on a Grew up with lots of animals, always saw myself working with with mammals on land. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I got into wildlife biology and I discovered that it was a lot of (laughs) bushwhacking (laughs) and that if I really wanted to work with land mammals it was probably going to be studying mice and I'd have to be really worried about things like hantavirus and rabies (laughs) and I'd probably have poison oak for my entire working career uh, with all of that bushwhacking and then (laughs) I was riding a ferry one day and I went oh my god if I did fish I could be on a boat I could be paid to be on a boat oh my god this is life-changing no poison oak over here no poison oak of course when you do stream surveys there's lots of poison oak and I've done those but you're wearing waders you're in protect yeah yeah you've got your PPE you've got your waders um so yeah so that was the big eureka moment and so i did a few years working as a volunteer coordinator and environmental educator and doing kind of plant and and wildlife type things uh, for public lands and then i got my first fisheries job running a long-term monitoring study in the San Francisco Bay Estuary and that was my step into fisheries back into back in 2012 and that job I went you know I really need to go back to school and get some more fisheries based knowledge so I went to Humboldt State and got my master's and graduated in 2017 and I've been doing more fisheries work ever since. That is so awesome. I love that. I feel like fisheries sometimes get a bad rap and get very like 
like I feel like there's like the the spectrum of like we hate fisheries and no fisheries are the only way and it's like hey guys like there can there can be some some middle ground here like but I think if they're done sustainably that's obviously the most important part and I love that you had the self-awareness of being like okay I need to learn more about this and decided to go back and pursue that that's amazing and must have been so fun to do such a fun thing to learn about yeah yeah no it was Humboldt State was a great place to go if you're wondering (laughs) where to study fisheries Humboldt State's a great place to do it and I got to my thesis project was so much fun it was figuring out what the fish community is in these four estuaries that had never been studied before so cool it's an estuary so you've got like these really hardy fish that are just sticking it out year round and that's who's there in the winter but then in the summer it's like party time and all of these coastal fish come in to rear in the estuary where there's lots of food and there's not so many predators and marine fish come in to join the party and eat something and uh, you've got the salmon migrating through as juveniles out migrating to the ocean in that time so yeah sounds like a busy busy little place I love that that must have been such a fun project yeah. yeah it was it was a lot of fun so so how did you, let's talk about that project for a minute. Like I have questions. How did you, how did you establish what the fishery, like what the fishing, what the fish community is? My goodness. Like how were you just out there pulling fish out and being like, okay, these fish are in here. And then doing that. Yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> we had this, <laughs> uh, my professor, my advisor loved to get students out into the field and get them experienced and it was wonderful because I came there for graduate school and there were all of these 19 and 20 year olds who already knew how to do fish sampling I was blown away <laughs> and he had the perfect net for doing it he had this beach seine mm-hmm. and it was a hundred Am I misremembering? Now I'm like, uh, anyway, (laughs) it was a hundred feet long. So you could pack a whole bunch (laughs) of students onto this net. And in fact, you needed, you really needed at least eight people to really bring this net in properly. And so a saying, what it is, is it's six foot tall and then it's it can be 20 feet long, it can be 50 feet long, it could be 200 feet long. And you take it out from shore and make a semicircle out from shore, and then you pull it in. And there's all that. kinds of different sayings out there. There's purse <laughs> sayings and pull sayings, and it's a popular net. And so since you're near shore and you have a smaller mesh size, what you're going to get is all of the juvenile fish. The little babies. Yeah, yeah, because they like to be near shore. It's safer there. The big fish can't get to them as easily. And there's more more little things for them to hide in, <laughs> right? So you're bringing in, and I love 
I love baby fish. I, As my you first should. job was baby fish. And you know that you're well and truly a fish person when you call your colleague over. You're like, come here, come on, come on, come on, come on. Look at that little face. <laughs> That's when you know. That is, so, that is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so you're you're getting all these juvenile fish, and that's perfect because the estuary is this really valuable uh, nursery ground. So estuaries play this really outsized role in habitat importance. We'll say because there's all of these fish that and other non-fish species that we rely on that depend on estuaries. So Dungeness crab, they will spawn offshore and then the little crab juveniles will come into the estuary and they'll spend the first year or so of their life growing up in the estuary before they Cute. go back out. And uh, Black rockfish, which are a very popular rockfish to go fishing for, they do this too. So do English sole and a lot of other flatfish that we enjoy eating. And then obviously salmon need estuaries to migrate yes. in and out. And then we're finding, especially in California, which is the southern extent of our salmonid species on the oh. Pacific coast, uh, we're finding that steelhead, so uh, Oncorhynchus micus, steelhead trout, they can either be anadromous, where they're going out to the ocean and coming back, in which case they're cool. steelhead, or they can be totally freshwater, in which case they're rainbow trout, and you can fish for <laughs> rainbow trout. We love rainbow trout. Much, <laughs> yeah, pretty much anywhere you can fish for rainbow trout. They've been introduced all over the place. Uh, but the steelhead are are native within this range. And we've learned that really at the southern extent of their range, so the, the southern end of the central California coast down by mm -hmm. Santa Cruz and stuff, the steelhead that return to spawn. Oh. Okay. Mostly are growing up in these estuaries that uh, have an interrupted connection to the ocean. So these are small rivers where there isn't enough flow year round to keep that connection open. And so that connection will close up usually in the, in the fall no sometime way. or a little earlier. Yeah, and so they'll turn into these freshwater lagoons That's for part so of the cool. year. Yeah, and and this the steelhead will come down and some of them will go straight out to the ocean and others will just like hunker down and continue to grow up there until the next set of winter storms blows that open. So they'll stick around in that lagoon for nine months as juveniles and something like 90% of the spawning adults in these little rivers in that part of the coast are the ones that have followed that lagoon lifestyle in their early life. That's so, so cool. And and one of my studies, ten one of my study systems, 10 Mile River Estuary, is 
it's it's in northern california but it's like that it forms a lagoon and and so we're learning how important like not just estuaries are but all different kinds of estuaries yeah. so these these little tiny estuaries that can't even stay open all year round they're really important for certain species and really vital to figuring out how uh we're going to help preserve these species with you know climate change and um and big estuaries like puget sound or yeah um you know that's so awesome they're really important too so yeah 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 I always joke, listeners of the podcast will know this. I always joke about how I hate fish. All through my undergrad, I was like, oh, I hate fish because I am very much so a marine mammal girl, a whale girl. And so it was just this like ongoing joke where like my school only really offered like ichthyology and like fish stuff. And so I was like, oh, I hate fish. But then like every time I learn something about them, I'm like, fish are so cool. Maybe I don't hate fish. I kind (laughs) of love them a little bit. Like, they're just so cool and like how they can adapt so easily to their environment is just like and like use these estuaries and like these fish don't have maps how do they find them like how do, it just blows my mind how they work I love them yeah yeah <laughs> and that was fun too because uh, you learned that they find them in all different ways yeah so you know we all know that salmon they imprint on their their natal stream and so they the stream where they are has a certain scent oh that's and, so cool and that's that's how they they find it when they return and actually different streams have different ratios of various isotopes and so that's how oh. we're able to learn these things like that 90% of steelhead returning to spawn in this system spent time in the lagoon. It's because when you look at the otoliths, which are the ear yeah. bones of a fish, you can use laser ablation to find out what the isotope ratio is in each of the rings, the rings representing you know growth, just like in a tree. And figure out where they were at different points in their life and what yes. their growth rate were and the, all of that. With lamprey, they also find where to spawn based off scent, but it's different. They're not going for their natal stream. What they're homing in on is the scent of juvenile lamprey that are filter feeding in the sediment. Oh. Yeah lamprey are crazy they don't get jaws until they're adults imagine that like (laughs) you don't have jaws or eyes until you're an adult applesauce only to eat that's it (laughs) you can just just like use your gills to get stuff from the air have fun uh so yeah they cue in on the scent of the juveniles and hey, if there's a bunch of juvenile lamprey, it must be a good spot to make some more lamprey. So that's where they spawn and die. That's uh, so weird. That almost brings up like the question of like the, the chicken and the egg, like which came first? Did like 
very early on lampreys decide like hey this is a good place to spawn and so like when those babies were getting ready to have their own babies were they like oh like this smells like a good place because there's other ones here like like how did how did this begin that's so wild i need to know all the fish history okay um <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot that Lamprey is a lot 450 yes. million years old so. yeah you mean you weren't you weren't around then like you don't know no. oh, come on they've, they've got a lot of history <laughs> um and then flatfish they cue in on the strength of the river plume so they're like oh. cruising down the coast and if they sense a really strong plume then they'll go oh there's a nice estuary up that and then they'll essentially um they'll move up and down in the water column to use the tides to go in when it's a flood tide and then they'll they'll drop down near the gra ground so that they don't go out with the ebb tide and they'll kind of bounce that way into the estuary and that then they'll continue awesome. moving up as they get bigger flatfish so, are so cool just in general i love them i think i think they might be some of my favorite fish like flounders love love them love. yeah yeah and they're crazy too like of course hey, you're born with an eye on either side of your head and then by the time you're moves? And it moves. It moves. How does it? I just like, I love fish. I don't understand them. They're so cool. I wish the listeners could see me right now because I'm like, my brain's hurting. Like, I just, they're so cool. I love them. Don't tell any yeah. of my professors from undergrad I'm saying this. I would get roasted so fast if they knew I actually liked fish. But I do. Well, hey, my first fish job, I was like, I'm still not sure about this fish thing. I'm just doing like, like, I think I can get excited about any kind of vertebrate. I've since learned I can get excited about a invertebrates lot. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a little tiny invertebrate that you need a microscope to see properly. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So they're so cool. Uh, yeah. So I, but I had this job and we were out monitoring in summer. And man, you thought puberty was rough. <laughs> fish go through some changes wait fish go through puberty like fish puberty yeah fish, that's what we're gonna call it yeah fish usually it's in this on the pacific coast it's the summertime because uh we've got warm water the ocean on the pacific coast is warmer in the winter than in the summer does that make so, so much sense yeah <laughs> so uh, all your little all your little fish babies they're happening in the in the ocean anyway they're happening in the winter because that's when the water's warmer that's so, so wild so you've got all these larvae coming out in spring and summer and in summer they're transitioning into that juvenile stage and so these fish they'll start out basically as two forms you have clear noodle with googly eyes okay. and clear blob with googly eyes mm, two very distinct things yes the googly eyes are very distinctive invertebrates do not have googly eyes but fish vertebrates do you heard it here first if you want to be a biologist you just need to look for googly eyes if you're looking for fish 
done. Yes. Problem solved. And then when, so the blobs are kind of bigger at the eye head end and smaller at the tail end. And those are your sculpins and your gobies and, and things like that. And then your, your noodles are all of your herring species, your shads, your smelt and salmon and well, actually salmon are, are their whole separate Salmon are their thing. own like they're, thing. They're their own thing. They, they've got these huge eggs and they come out, um, with salmon they they come out and they're so big they're so much bigger than any other larval fish and they've still got their egg sac coming out of them and so we talk (laughs) about salmon when they're buttoned up and that means that that their egg sac has been completely digested and they now no longer have this thing coming out of their bellies they're all buttoned up so interesting yeah so the noodles and the blobs though when they're about an inch long or so they will actually get shorter and they'll acquire their adult body shape which is totally different what? and they get all these stripes and spots and <laughs> and and so you know you think it's rough going through puberty and like having acne yeah. and, and man their whole coloration is changing that's wild fish puberty does not sound fun i i'm glad I'm yeah they fish. do the, it's rough they they usually get shorter oh, during because they'll rude. stop eating and they'll get shorter <laughs> and then they'll get bigger again yeah amazing um the poll for this week where i'm gonna create a poll actually and it's going to be the listeners are going to have to choose whether they are fans of blobs with googly eyes or noodles with googly eyes and i feel like it's going to be a hot debate honestly because I feel like there's two pretty passionate sides there yeah yeah what are you are you team noodle or are you team blob it's a hard one it's a it's a tough one but I'm gonna have to go the blobbies I mean I say blob but really it's more like a (laughs) it's more like a snot anyway (laughs) (laughs) which sounds even worse how could you not be team snot like yeah yeah. it's just it's right there it's perfect <laughs> but they have they just have the best little especially striped bass when they're really tiny they have the best little grumpy faces they just look Cute. so upset <laughs> which i mean they should be they're dead at that point if you're looking at them that size but validly it, upset then validly upset whereas yeah it takes a while for or the the herring and the smelt and the anchovy all of those schooling fishes they're going to grow up to be these really streamlined specimens but it takes a while for them to get that character (laughs) to them that is so cool I love it I'm very I'm very intrigued about these two teams and I'm excited to see which one has the biggest fan base after this podcast because I think I think we might start something here for sure. 
So let's dive a little more into fisheries and the diversity of different types of fisheries and people in fisheries and what compelled you to start your Fisherwomen, Fisherwomen podcast. So what is Fisherwomen podcast and why did you decide to start it? Yeah, so let's start with a definition of fisheries. And <laughs> this is the definition I give in the pilot episode of Fisherwomen, roughly. <laughs> and I define fisheries as the as the enjoyment, study, and management of marine and aquatic species and their habitats. Yeah. So it's it's quite the broad <laughs> umbrella. Definitely. And I've seen fisheries jobs that are marine mammal focused. Uh, the big one is the southern killer whale population and mm -hmm. wanting people to do more research on their relationship to fish populations since they eat a more fishy <laughs> diet and less of a otter seal diet. So that's where I begin. And you can see it's a very broad yeah, definition. And leaves so, a lot of gateways open, which is like great, but also overwhelming sometimes. And yeah, and so really what it was is when I switched from wildlife to fisheries, to my mind, I was doing the same thing. I was still studying wildlife. It just so happened that that wildlife lived underwater. Yeah, absolutely. And was cold blooded. And to my friends and family, it was not a simple switch at all. It was, I'd done something that they could wrap their heads around and go, oh yeah, that's like radio collaring wolves in Russia. And I'm like, <laughs> sure. I wish. <laughs> but yes, there are, there are some lucky ducks that get to do that. And that is wildlife biology. You are correct. That qualifies. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh, that's polar bear research. I'm like, again. Correct. Correct. Not me. <laughs> not me. I'm, I'm Their heart not, was in the right place. I'm not quite in the 0.1%. Um, and then when I switched to fish, it was like, so what is that? <laughs> yep. I feel like that's just marine science in a nutshell because my parents god love them are the most supportive people ever they both 100 percent were like yep go do marine biology for sure they both worked office jobs and like business and so people they'll be like oh our daughter's a marine biologist and they're like oh what does she do and mom's like i i don't know whales like I, like it's just working with the ocean for people that don't do it it's just not a tangible thing sometimes you're like I, it's the ocean there she's a marine biologist and when or she's a, like a marine scientist of some sort in some like, not even just biologist, but marine science in its own is like this giant umbrella. And it's like, I don't know, something under that. And so it's just not tangible. So that's so funny that like when you switch to fish, they were like, what? 
it. <laughs> yeah, so I I made what I thought was a simple switch, but to the people in my life, it wasn't simple. And I love podcasts. I got hooked on cereal years ago and a good one. And uh have been listening to them ever since and I was at a fisheries conference and there was this talk about uh, podcasting. Yeah, I was at this fisheries conference and a shout out to the fisheries podcast, which was really the first in this space that I'm aware of. Um, and what they were doing was great and yet it was very much a podcast by scientists for scientists yes at, at least at that time yeah um, which is great a, bunch, a great thing to a bunch have since then yeah which is a great thing to have and you know we get told that with a podcast average listenership is like a hundred but hey if you have a paper that you just wrote average readership is what three people maybe five people <laughs> most of them on the editing team yeah. um and then these and, undergrads that like scan through it and pick out one sentence that they need for their report and that's all they read. So it's just, yeah. minimal, you know, so you go to a conference, you present your paper in addition to writing it and you have an audience of 15, 30. And so here they're inviting people to talk about their research and they're getting a listenership of 150 or there more. Go. There you go. Like that's that's pretty awesome. Um, and the 150 is just totally pulled out of the air. <laughs> I don't know that that's real at all. Um, but that would be like an average listenership yeah. for a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I so totally great what they're doing, but I went out of that going. You know, what What I feel is needed is something that's for everyone that mm. really paints. Yeah. Yeah, that paints the picture that fisheries, fish, that we, everything we do on land, we also do in the water. So you hunt on land you hunt in the water. That's yeah. called recreational fishing. We also have commercial hunting, but only in the ocean. And you farm on land, you farm in the water. You have plant nurseries, you have fish hatcheries. You have people researching the diet of owls in a forest you have people researching the diet of tuna out in the ocean you have people radio collaring wolves in russia and you have people radio collaring lobster off the coast of maine like 
like all the things happen in both planes both and um and the quote that i just love is fishery science is like and this is a large part of fishery science but not all of it it's like counting all of the trees in the forest except all the trees are underwater where you can't see them and they're all moving around yep so painting I, I love that quote because it paints such a lovely picture and really makes it personable. And yeah. so I wanted to paint that picture and really bring in all the parts of fisheries. So we talk inland stuff um, with using, working with landowners, farmers, ranchers to allow beavers to stay on the landscape so that they are, they're providing fish habitat and they're lowering flood risk and lowering erosion and lowering wildfire risk and increasing water retention within the landscape and providing all kinds of benefits to all kinds of species. We talk about the monitoring that happens to keep the Alaska Pollock fisheries sustainable in the Eastern Bering Sea, which is the largest fishery in the US and one of the largest fisheries in the world, lands over a million tons a year. and yeah, Alaska Pollock are, they're a type of cod. So <laughs> they get made into fish sticks and and fish and chips and imitation crab, which <laughs> I think is a travesty. I don't know why you would turn a delicious fish. Into crab. Into imitation crab, but some people like it, um, clearly. And <laughs> we talk about marine research, just pure and simple yeah uh, and we talk tribal fisheries with Ralph Lampman and bringing the Pacific lamprey fishery back which is really important to a lot of tribes in the Pacific Northwest and they yeah. really spearheaded that approach so that was one of the stories I knew out of the gate that I wanted to cover because it's just yeah yeah and then absolutely when I took ichthyology with Professor Peter Moyle he would open every class with five minutes of fish art history. Cool. And the repetition of that, the lesson that sinks in, and he moved through time from prehistory to current. And the lesson that sinks in is that globally, you know, around the world, fish have been vital and integral to our lives and they have been seen as things of beauty and you can see that in the fact that there's cave paintings of fish and yeah uh, yeah and so one of those things that's like throughout all if not most cultures that's like the universal language of like these are present everywhere which is so cool to see because there's very few things that are global like that 
Yeah. So I, I knew right off that I wanted to do an episode on fish art. So I have a, a Bruce Koike, who's cool. kind of locally famous in the, in the fish world, uh, <laughs> talk about his move from fish science to fish art. Um, and he's a professional fish printer and has been for a number of years. And so talking about the recreational side, the commercial side, the inland side, the marine side, um, and all of these various facets and finding examples of all these various facets. And one of the things that's been great is that I have folks who have been on the show and they say, I'm going to share this with my family <laughs> and they'll finally understand what it is that I do. <laughs> I love that. I love, that's what I do love about your podcast is it presents topics in like topics that you wouldn't even think of um, in your everyday life in a way that's so easily understood and like in a friendly way. Like it's like a conversation between friends about what you do for work in certain times. And like, I love that about it. Like it really makes it easy to share and easy to love. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's what I strive for. <laughs> um, and that's been the other wonderful thing. I really designed it for an audience that's intelligent. They just don't have the technical background and so yeah, keeping it keeping it intelligent without getting technical is kind of my motto I love the way you phrase that because sometimes it can feel like when you're listening to a podcast or a lecture or something about a topic that might not be your topic or like something that like I always find it hard to be in like not interested but like understand if it's not something that I'm incredibly interested in like if somebody's talking numbers I just am there's nothing going on up here because I just I can't I doesn't doesn't ignite a fire in me and so sometimes you can feel like maybe I'm just too stupid to get this or maybe like maybe I'm not smart but I love the way you phrase that of an audience of intelligent people who might not have experience or education in this specific niche but are still intelligent and I love that I love that definition and I look yeah because there's lots in fisheries that I don't have the technical background in either oh, absolutely so part of why I did it that way was just so I could really open up what I could talk about and get out of my own silo right <laughs> and but what's happened is in conversations with my friends and family like they call me out they're like like I'll be explaining something and they're like yeah I know I know and I'm like <laughs> oh my gosh you've been listening and now I gotta up my game and like yeah totally readjust and anyways so that's that's been really that's been really I love it wonderful it's, having the pod having a podcast like this too is so fun because you get to meet so many cool people and like it gives you just so many different outlooks and perspectives and like you learn things like I there's parts of the world that I will never get to see 
but I know about them now because of the amazing people I've met on this podcast. And it's so cool that you get to have those connections with everyone. Absolutely. It's, it's made me, it's made me the best fisheries biologist I've ever been. Cause I just, I've learned about all these corners of the fisheries yeah. world that I never knew about before. So. <laughs> and it also helps kind of keep the the passion that you have, because we obviously all start out with a passion for the ocean or for fisheries or for whatever we have a passion for, which is kind of why we start these podcasts and why you want to talk about it. And then some days you might not be having the best day and you're just kind of like, man, like, do not want to deal with this. Do not want to do this. I, there's been days where I've spent, like, I love whales. Like they are my soul animals. And there's been days where I've been working on my schoolwork and I'm doing my master's on them. And I've been staring at these photos of whales for hours and I'm nothing's working for me. The software hates me. And I'm just like, that's it. I hate whales for a minute. And every so often, like when that happens, I just like take a second and I'm like, I'll listen to one of my pre-recorded podcasts or I'll listen to a different, like the whale's tail podcast I love. And like, it really changes your outlook and helps you like re be like, no, man, they're so cool. I love the ocean. I love what I do. I love talking about this stuff. And it's, it's nice to have that on hand inspiration and be able to dive into that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And and I, um, my favorite part of the podcast, that's also getting to be the most difficult because I'm, running out of ideas is I I added this segment at the end called the creature feature so that <laughs> anybody could just you know call in with a bit and just nerd out about their favorite yeah invertebrate or <laughs> fish or marine mammal or seabird or you know sea plant whatever like you want to rocket about seaweed let's go let's hear it like like let's hear let's hear all about seaweed and why it's fantastic (laughs) which it is (laughs) um and so I've I've done most of those and I'm (laughs) running out of ideas but uh that was my way of going you know I want a way that anyone from people who are just fish nerds to people who maybe did this in school, but they've moved on to something else to, to people who are like, they just happen to learn this through the course of their work in some utterly different area and like come in and contribute and yeah. know that their voice is out there nerding out about this thing I available that. on the internet in perpetuity. <laughs> the best feeling, of course. The best feeling. Sometimes I think about how many people like hear my voice with this podcast and it, uh, I can't think about it because I'm like, no, I don't want that many people perceiving me, knowing I exist. I just, uh, I don't live, it's weird. It's weird I don't know that many people why why can they hear my voice and I can't hear theirs it just throws me off but it's so fun to know and to have and I love the creature feature like it's so it's fun to like have the people that 
just are nerding out and so excited about something you catch the excitement like when someone else is excited about something you're gonna catch the excitement about it yeah yeah so love it so if people are interested in checking out your podcast where can they find you on social media or how can they follow along with you and the podcast yeah so my life has been crazy lately (laughs) I've been terrible about keeping people updated but I'm I switched job I was off grid for a bunch of August traveling in Alaska and I switched jobs uh, in September and I'm moving and I'm buying a house so no chaos in that life at all none no yeah none Uh, but I do have episodes that I'm trying to find time to work on I've got them recorded I just need to get them out and in the meantime there's about 10 episodes for your listening pleasure and you can find them by searching fisherwomen that's all one word like fishermen plural but with a wuh in there <laughs> so fisherwomen you can search in your favorite podcast app it's on spotify it's on itunes it's on all of the distributors and I'm at fisherwomen podcast on Facebook and at fisherwomen pod on Instagram awesome and that will all be tagged in the description of this podcast as well on all as well as on all of our social media too so you can you'll have no issues finding this podcast to follow along with which is super exciting because everyone should be yeah yeah Oh, Katie, it was so fun getting to talk to you today. I loved learning more about fisheries. And thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been fabulous. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. I love sharing these stories with you, and I love that you love to listen. Make sure if you like the podcast, you're leaving a review and liking and subscribing to the podcast. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out more from us, including quizzes, blog posts, and shop our site at waterwomenpodcast.ca. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, stay salty.